So as we prepare for our scripture lesson this morning, uh, we're reading one of the traditional passages for this Sunday. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. A familiar story about some visitors who came to find uh, where Christ was. But before we turn uh, to that passage, let's first take a moment to go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for this time. We thank you that you have brought us to this experience of worship together. To to rest, to re-energize. We ask as we turn towards scripture this morning. That your spirit would be with us wherever we are. That you would set aside any of the cares or concerns from this past week or the week to come. And that you would focus us on your word. We ask that you would show us who you are and what it means to follow you as we read scripture this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Listen to the word of God. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. And all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet, and you Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage." When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, as we reflect now on your word, we ask that you would help these words to find their way into our ears and minds and hearts and lives. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us this day, that we might leave a changed people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Epiphany is a great holiday. I, I, I love Epiphany uh, in part because, because the stakes are so low. Uh, coming out of Christmas, Epiphany is like a breath of fresh, a breath of fresh air. There's, there's nothing you have to do for Epiphany. You don't need a tree. You don't need cards. You don't need cookies. You don't need gifts. Epiphany is such a great holiday because it's so, it's so relaxing. 
You don't even have to read a specific Bible passage. Uh, Depending on the tradition or the denomination where you find yourself, there are different passages we use. So you don't have to read any specific part of the Bible in in Epiphany. All you have to do is really focus on on that word itself. The only thing that's important to the day Epiphany is the notion of, of epiphany. And the word means something like a, an, an unveiling or a, a revealing or an appearance. It's uh, the day that we celebrate uh, the, the, the people who came to Christ and saw him for who he really was. Whether it's uh, the, the Magi from Matthew's passage or, or the people at the baptism from the Gospels. It's, it's a day that we celebrate the appearance of Jesus. When people saw Jesus for who he was. And Matthew tells us this story uh, about the Magi. Matthew gives us this story of an epiphany uh, as he describes the, the wise men coming to find Christ. And as Matthew writes this story... I think Matthew is trying very hard not only to describe the epiphany that the the Magi had, but to create an epiphany for us. I think Matthew is trying to invite us to a a similar revelation, to create an appearance of Christ in our own lives. And you you can tell that's what Matthew's working on if you look closely at at some of his language and the ways he describes things, especially especially the way he describes the Magi themselves. From the east. That's how he tells us uh, about the Magi. He tells us that they come from the east. It's not much to go on. But think about everything you learn from those three English words, from the east. Think about how much information you get from that notion, from the east. It's not much. In fact... This phrase, from the east, it means, it means almost nothing, really, when you think about it. From the east tells you almost nothing about the wise men. It tells you nothing about uh, what's behind them. It tells you nothing about what they've done. It tells you nothing about what they've accomplished. It tells you nothing about where they're headed. From the east, think about this from Mary's perspective. Mary, who would have been with Jesus when they arrived. If people had told Mary that there were visitors from the east, think about how little that would have told her. This could have meant uh, the east of town. It could have meant, if you imagine in your mind a, a map of Israel, it could have meant east of the river. It could have meant from east of the border. Or maybe a little farther, it meant east of the desert. Or even uh, all the way to the edge, the east edge of the known world. From the east could mean any of these things, which means from the east tells you nothing. Maybe it's better... Maybe it's better not to think about it from Mary's perspective. Let's, let's think about it from our own. Let's imagine visitors coming to our worship who tell us that they are from the east. Think about what that might mean. People who come to our, our worship service from the east, maybe they've come uh, across the city of Pittsburgh and they've come from the east, Monroeville. Monroeville is, is from the east. Or maybe, maybe it's further. Maybe it's not the other side of the city. Maybe it's the other side of the state. From the east could mean Philadelphia. Or it could mean the east coast of our country. From the east, Boston. Or maybe they mean, maybe they mean further east. Maybe they are coming all the way from the east from, from Tokyo. Monroeville, Philadelphia, Boston, or Tokyo. From the east could mean any of them. So when you think from the east it really doesn't give you a whole lot to go on. 
Or maybe another way to think about this is, is uh, not, not someone visiting church, but imagine, imagine a map of the world in front of you and uh, put your, your finger in your imagination on uh, Swickley Presbyterian Church, on the, the map of the world. And your job is to move your finger to the east and see where you can get. You can go as far north or south as you want. You can go whatever zigzag or pattern you'd like as long as you're moving consistently east. Think about all the places you can get if you head east from here on the map. Right away, you might think to yourself, you can get to half the world. And that's correct if it's a paper map. But if it's a globe and you head east, you can get pretty much anywhere. It turns out the whole world is east of here. You can get anywhere if you go east long enough. You never end up headed west. East and west are very far apart. You just keep going east. The entire world is from the east. So the wise men came from the east. And that tells us almost nothing. It tells us nothing about what's behind them. It tells us nothing about what they've done. It tells us nothing about where they're headed. It simply tells us they're from the east. We don't know what's behind them. And Matthew just doesn't, he just doesn't give us those details. From the east doesn't give us enough information. There are some hints in the passage about what may lie behind them. For example, the, the word magi itself. Uh, we, we translate this different ways. Uh, sometimes we call them magi. Sometimes we call them wise men. Sometimes we call them kings. We translate it three different ways because if we're being honest with ourselves, we, we don't know how to translate it. But, but any of those words, they seem to indicate some, some great success or some, some triumph in the past, whether it's academic or political or financial. I mean, whoever these people are, they, they have moments of great pride in their past. They have, they have moments of victory behind them. And that, well, that makes, them, that makes them pretty endearing characters. And it makes them human. Each one of us, as we look back at the, the life behind us, we, we have those high points. We have those moments of, of great joy, of great pride. We have those things behind us that, that the memories we like to revisit. We have those things that, uh, that we, would, we would love to carry forward. We have those, those moments of triumph behind us. And so, as Matthew calls them magi, he's, he's right away making them very human characters. They, they have something in common with each of us. They have, they have great moments behind them. But their story's not confined to the great moments. There's, there's something else behind them as well. And see, Matthew gives us a, a, another little hint about what's behind them. He, he doesn't tell us what happened before they crossed over into Mary's country, but he tells us what happened as soon as they got there. The very first thing they did is they, they sought out a meeting with Herod. Now, we don't have to spend a, a lot of time in our Bible history to, to learn who Herod is. Let's, let's just put it very simply and say that Herod is not a benevolent character in Scripture. That's actually not all that simple. Let's, let's put it more simply than that. Let's, uh, Herod is not a good guy. Or even more simply, he's the bad guy. Herod is the bad guy in this story. As you read through uh, scripture, you find that Herod is often the, the bad guy in the story. Herod is, he's mean and murderous. He's, he's suspicious, he's selfish, he's sinister, he's violent. Herod is the villain. 
And the first person the wise men come to visit when they cross over into Mary's country is the villain. They sit down with the bad guy of the story. And this, this leads us to wonder who they were meeting with on the other side of the border. And we find ourselves wondering uh, who else they're uh, allied with in their past, who their other friends are. And as we find the wise men here making a pact with the villain, all of a sudden we begin to realize there are some things in their past that perhaps are not such proud moments. They perhaps have in their past some moments of, of, of wickedness, of, of regret, of sin. Moments they just as soon not remember. Which again, it makes them pretty human. I mean, as much as uh, we look back at, at the world behind us, as much as we look back at those, those great moments, we also have the other moments. I mean, behind us, each of us has a, a moment of regret. A moment of, of sin. A mistake. At a time when we allied ourselves with the villain of the story, when we, we were with the wrong crowd or, or a bad influence, we, we have those moments we would like to leave in the past. We have those, those moments that we're not proud of. As we read about the wise men, they're, they're very human. We don't like to talk about it, but we have that behind us as well. They're, they're like us. And as the story gets a little harder, as we realize they've made a pact with the villain, then it gets worse. Because we discover what's behind them is also what's ahead of them. Because not only have they gathered and sat down with the villain of the story, but they promise to return to him before their story is done. They promise to deliver Christ to Herod. They promise to revisit the regrets of their past, to relive the mistakes they have made, to relive their sin. And we know the road they're walking on. We know the path they're taking. We know the way they're going. If the story continues in this way, their sins will not only be their past, but will curse their future. What's behind them will curse the road in front of them. And this tragic moment in the story it, it hurts a little bit to read this because this is our fear and this is a deep human fear that whatever that regret is in the past that it won't leave you alone and the, the fear that the sins of your past will become your future the fear that the sins of your past will set the path forward the fear that the wrongs behind you will, will come back ahead of you. As we read about the wise men, this is the part that makes us the most uncomfortable. We know the road they're, they're walking down. We know the way they're headed. We know the path that, the, that they're on. And we know that their regrets will come back. We know that they are headed back to the mistakes of their past. We know that this path is set by their sin. Matthew doesn't tell us much about what's behind them. Just enough. And then 
an epiphany. Then, a revelation. Then, Christ appears as who he really is. Right there to the wise men. At that moment, they they follow the star and they find they are filled with great joy as all of a sudden they discover who Christ is and what it means that they are there to worship him. And in that moment, they discover that their story is not confined to what they have done. It's defined by what this child will do for them. Suddenly, in this moment, they have this epiphany, this revelation. They understand who Jesus is and what it means to be before him. And they realize that all of a sudden, their future is not cursed by what's behind them. Their future is blessed by the one before them. All of a sudden, they realize that Jesus Christ has blessed them and their sins will not revisit them in the future. All of a sudden, they realize that their path is not set by their sin. Their path is set free by their Savior. They have an epiphany and they discover that they can go home by a different road. Matthew ends the story by telling us that they went home by a different road. They went a different way. They followed a different path. They became different people because Christ set them free. They went a different way so that their sins were no longer waiting for them in the future. In fact, it's almost as if they became new creations. It's almost as if Christ took their sin and threw it as far as the east is from the west. It's almost as if in this moment, in this epiphany, they have discovered that the only thing that really matters is not what they've accomplished, not what's behind them, not what sins they have committed. The only thing that matters in that moment is the fact that Jesus Christ Christ is Lord. They have this epiphany. They discover they are not confined by their deeds. They are defined by what Christ will do for them. That their future is not cursed by what's behind them. It's blessed by the one before them. And they find that their path is not set by their sin. It's set free by their Savior. All of a sudden, they have an epiphany. And they go home by a different road as different people. And their future is set free. All of a sudden, epiphany. I love this holiday. And this is, this is such a great holiday. The stakes are so low. We don't need trees. We don't need wreaths. We don't need gifts or cookies or cards. All we really need is this realization of who Christ is. This revelation of what it means to follow Christ. This, this sudden understanding That our story is not confined by what we have done, but rather what Christ will do for us. Our future is not cursed by what's behind us. It's blessed by the one before us. And our path is not set by our sin. It's set free by our Savior. The only thing that matters in Epiphany is the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Matthew doesn't tell us very much about the wise men. They're from the east. He doesn't tell us much about the wise men because... The story's not about the wise men. It doesn't matter who the wise men were. Matthew doesn't want you to learn who the wise men were. Matthew wants you to have an epiphany about who the wise men worshipped. The good news of the gospel, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. That whoever you are and whatever's behind you, God loves you no matter what. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Happy Epiphany. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.